successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show here on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. Or if you're joining us on the website, GrillNationShow.com. We greatly appreciate it. I hope you're having a great week, and as always, I appreciate all of you for listening today. I'm your host, Jason Grill. You can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and on Facebook at just search for my name. I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram, just search for Jason Grill. Hope you're, uh, again, having a great week. Uh, we're going to have a great show today, one, because I, uh, I'm excited to have on a, a guy who is, who's, who's kind of built a, a great reputation in two different industries. And two of which I, I find very fascinating. One is entrepreneurship and growing and starting a company. And the second is healthcare and medicine at a time where it's very important, especially with the COVID-19 pandemic and everything that's happened over the last few months in the United States. So I'm interested to talk to him about uh, kind of both fields and why he started his business and, uh, and what he's doing now. So uh, let's get started here. We're going to be joined right now via Zoom. Uh, appreciate your understanding our technical issues here as we're doing this from home uh, by Jeff Dunn. He's a doctor and the founder and CEO of Redivis Health. Redivis Health is a company here in Kansas City that exists because every person deserves to have a safe and effective medical care. Uh, their passion is to improve clinical decisions and increase adherence to evidence-based guidelines. Uh, Jeff, we'll go through your full description of your company here in a little bit, but I want to welcome you to the show. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. I looked through your background. You were you were a Kansas City guy. Did you? Uh, you you've, you've gone to school here. I noticed you went to Rockhurst. Tell us about your background. Yeah, so physician by backgrounds, uh, physician entrepreneur by backgrounds. Practiced for about ten years at St. Luke's Healthcare System where I wore a lot of hats for that system, was uh, chairman of medicine at one of their hospitals. Um, yeah, I received all my education from uh, here in Kansas City. I've never left Kansas City. I love it here. I'm a Rockhurst high school and college grad. Um, but really, um, the opportunity to be a physician is, is such a rewarding opportunity, but uh, I soon found after practicing that I had this entrepreneurial itch, which led me um, in a couple different directions. Mm -hmm. And I always am curious about how long of a, uh, how long of school you have to go through to do what you did to become a, a medical doctor. I mean, it, what, as an attorney by trade, I don't practice. I just refer business these days. Um, what, what, how many years does that take? Yeah, so I got my undergrad at Rockhurst in biology, then went to medical school for four years. Okay. And then went to residency at KU Med for three years for my internal medicine degree. 
Mm-hmm. Um, also, then I didn't get enough of school, so I went back and got my MBA from Rockhurst, which took me two and a half years. So, <laughs> two different experiences to be sure, right? Oh, absolutely. So you did that. You did that for ten years. It looks like you said at different uh, St. Luke's Hospital and Health System, excuse me, around Kansas City. Um, you said you wore a lot of hats. Talk us through those. I'm just curious, kind of how this informs. Uh, obviously, what we'll talk about on the show with Red of His Health, but but tell us about what you did in the hospitals more in depth. Yeah, so a hospitalist is a, an internal medicine physician that only takes care of sick patients. So we had no outpatient responsibilities for well checks, etc. Ultimately, it was our job to um, take care of a patient that came through the ER that could not go home. So um, very important to have the lines of communication with their primary care physicians once they came into the hospital or were sick. And as I went through um, being a hospitalist, um, became chairman of medicine at one of the hospitals, which was very much policy related of what we're doing in the hospital to improve patient safety, quality, et cetera. Um, was also one of the uh, physician quality leaders that was having conversations with the chief quality officer at the time. So what were we doing right? What were we doing wrong? Um, Also had some um, influence on the transfer team um, for the system, which means that we were getting all these patients in and how do you standardize that and make that as efficient as possible? So a lot of good stuff there. It wasn't just about um, patient care for me. It was something about something bigger. And I think that led to my entrepreneurial activities as well. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to get into that in depth, uh, in the next segment, but let's start there. So, so you did this until, uh, what, what year did you, uh, decide to move on? Was it 2010, 2015? Yeah, it was 2007. 2007. Actually, I worked from 2007 to 2015 in the hospital, uh, in St. Luke's health system. Yeah. Resigned my clinical duties in 2015 to launch Redibus. Okay, so so why'd you do that? I mean, what what convinces someone who just does all these things? Uh, you mentioned hospitalist, chairman of medicine, physician quality leader on the front lines. You know, organizing policy to to start a tech company. Yeah, there's a couple different reasons, but I think the big thing was when you create software and technology. Um, with scale in mind, you can take care of thousands of patients a day. So I was looking to try to do uh, more, do more good essentially than taking care of 15 patients in the hospital. And I think that knowing that software is infinitely scalable, you can touch a lot of patients. That was uh, very appealing to me. Mm-hmm. So did you did you begin the process with other people you knew in the medical field or what 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 was the first steps to to do this? I mean, you had the idea, you understood the value. What yeah. happened then? Was it, did well, you have a coffee or a beer with some of your doctors and say, hey, let's let's do this or what what happened? No, I mean, my wife um, tells me I have a crazy brain. So I was I was doing some real estate stuff when I was training as a resident. I started a, a specialized transportation company in 2010 to take care of kind of fragile people, um, wheelchair vans, et cetera. Back then, I had never done anything with software, but this whole opportunity to observe for uh, you know eight and a half years while I was practicing hospital medicine 
that's where the ideas kind of started and um, got to the point where I had a couple patient interactions and I observed some things in the hospital where I was like, I got to do something about this. So that led to me having conversations with my doctor friends. Um, Redivus is a five physician founded company. So myself and four other doctors. And um, I kept badgering them with some ideas of what we could do. And ultimately it came to spring break in uh, 2015 where I resigned my clinical duties, told my wife I was gonna stop practicing medicine. She thought I was completely crazy and uh, raised some money to start to build software. So that's kind of uh, the Cliff Notes version. We'll get into that more after the break. Uh, Jeff Dunn, who's a doctor and founder and CEO of Redivis Health, is on our show today. Uh, Redivis' website uh, is Redivus, R-E-D-I-V-U-S dot com. We're going to talk more about what your technology is that you built, how it helps people, how it helps hospitals, and then get more into your entrepreneurial journey and also touch on some, some changes you've made over the last few months with the COVID-19 pandemic. You're listening to The Grill Nation Show here at 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. Thanks for joining us. Someone told me long ago There's a calm before the storm I know It's been coming for some time Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. Thanks for joining me. I'm Jason Grill here on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. You can go to our website at grillnationshow.com where you can look at all of our old shows or find photos of our guests or more information about what we do here each and every week. You can also connect with me on social media. Just search for my name, Jason Grill. Jeff Dunn is our guest today. He's a doctor and founder and CEO of Red of His Health. Uh, we just learned in the last summit that Red of His Health was founded by five doctors and it is staffed with a passionate team comprised of healthcare and software veterans. They offer solutions for cardiac arrest, stroke, and sepsis with some really cool technology uh, that is just uh, amazing when you really get to dive into it. And we're going to do that here on the show. Uh, Jeff, you uh, we left off with you starting this business and how it kind of all happened with your with your fellow doctors and um, and whatnot, uh, what was the, the mission behind it? What was the decision? I know you said in the first segment that you thought you could help more people, but, but take us through kind of the, the mission that really drives the company, especially at the beginning when you were starting out with the, with the new software. Yeah, I think it'll, the way that this will best be explained is by a, a story that I have. So um, physicians are not immune to uh, making mistakes or errors and very you know, when I was practicing as a physician, I, I typically saw that the mistakes that I made and the errors that I made mostly came to life when there was somebody that was dying in front of you or somebody that needed urgent interventions. So um, there was a couple cases um, over my long practicing career of patients that had cardiac arrest. And that means a patient has stopped breathing and their heart has stopped. And um, there were uh, times when I ran those myself where I forgot um, to answer a question on that patient's behalf. I forgot to, to, uh, to order an intervention. And there were other times when I observed uh, doctors and nurses making mistakes and errors during these times of, of crisis for a patient. So 
Um, and the long and the short of it is um, adrenaline floods our brain and sometimes you go blank. When you get up on that big stage and there's a thousand people looking at you, that's the same type of reaction you can get from a doctor or nurse. So what I said is, why can't we have technology that's easy like a GPS? You plug in an address, you get the turn-by-turn -turn navigation um, uh, to get from point A to point B. You can do the same with um, these really complex algorithms like cardiac arrest, sepsis, and stroke. And what we essentially did is said, hey, let's do this on a mobile phone, uh, a tablet. You can launch this from a computer. So this is really your wayfinder during an emergency um, to make the best decision on the patient's behalf. And I think that's important if anyone, if a lot of people obviously have been in a hospital or had, had a loved one in a hospital, uh, there's constant changeover um, with, with who you're talking to, the nurses, the docs, you know, if you're there for a week, it just, to me, uh, I wasn't, I mean, it's been years, but I, I just remember how there was so many things that had to be translated between each new person that was coming to visit me. And it just seemed like I was retelling the story, you know, it, it was so much nicer to know that, that if there was something like this that existed where somebody could say, Oh, I just looked at your, the app and I know exactly what's happening before they walked in the door. Well, I think that brings you to the next point that um, the application. So it's not only provides clinical guidance and a wayfinder to make better decisions, but it actually timestamps and documents everything. So like you said, you don't have to tell that story, uh, you know, three or four times as the nurses and doctors go from shift to shift. And I think that's an important part of this, not only for continuity of care, but really for um, risk mitigation for hospitals, you want, um, after that episode happens, you want folks to know that you did the right thing and what better to have a completely time-stamped document of real-time documentation for that whole event that happened. You mentioned Google or uh, Google Maps kind of a, a description. Um, it really kind of just gives you a turn-by-turn -turn navigation. And this is the, this is called the Code Blue app. Is that what you call it? Yeah. yeah. So in addition to that, what other software have you built? I mean, is, is, it, is it all app-based or is it, is it computer-based? What, what, if I'm a hospital, what, what, am I, uh, what am I looking at here? Yeah, we started off by building applications that run on iOS and Android devices. And now this runs on any desktop or laptop. So we tell people, if you're in a crisis, this can be launched on any form factor, any computer, if you will. I think the important part here is to bring, you know, you hear a lot of these things about the EMR and certain technologies that we have to use as healthcare providers, how sometimes they're difficult to navigate. Um, they were um, built in a way that um, sometimes are too complex to really be able to guide you through one of these uh, emergencies. We really wanted to take the healthcare provider and put them top of mind and first and foremost to say, when your brain is completely scrambled by adrenaline, we want to give you that really intuitive, simple uh, way to get through this event um, without any mistakes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's so important. You said EMR, which for, for the layman's out there is electronic medical records. So technically, you guys deal with that. You deal with 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 healthcare systems. You deal with providers, potentially clinical partners as well. Yeah. Um, you kind of touch 
all the different levels of of what's going on in these acute in these these serious situations. Absolutely, and I'll tell you um, that the hospitals and hospital systems are our primary kind of um, marketplace to sell into right now. These things happen in nursing homes. They happen in the EMS world. So I think the other thing that our technology does is it doesn't need electronic medical record to function. And we call that platform agnostic. And also we built this to be able to function offline. So if you're in somebody's house without an internet connection, you can still get that turn by turn navigation when somebody's dying in front of you. I think that's incredibly important. Um, also, one last thing is the market of helping out military personnel when they're in the field and something bad has happened. This this concept would apply to them too, and that's uh, on our roadmap. You uh, you mentioned uh, we're talking to Jeff Dunn. You mentioned at the beginning of this uh, or segment or at the end of last about funding and getting started and and, and tapping into your resources, uh, whether that's from an advisory standpoint or from a financial standpoint. What was that process like for you? Because I know this is a crowded field. I mean, medical and healthcare technology, although like legal, the legal world, I think uh, it takes a while for people to adapt to getting rid of handwritten notes and, and getting rid of paper documents and, 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 and really embracing technology. Maybe it's happened a little faster in healthcare and medicine, but, but what, what, what have you kind of, what resources did you tap into? What was that process like? Because it's so, so much stuff going on in this industry. Yeah, I, I think what you try to do as a healthcare entrepreneur is you try to bite off a small piece um, in that field, not try to gobble the whole healthcare industry because it's so huge. So what we really see our uh, software doing is providing a niche opportunity for these times of crisis. So we want to make sure that those are our beachhead opportunity. And cardiac arrest was the one, one of the first ones we started with and then started to build out, say, hey, we can do this with cardiac arrest. We can do it with sepsis and stroke and some of these other ones. Um, but really, it's all about getting clinical validation from um, your colleagues that, hey, this idea isn't that crazy. Can we test it out? Can we test it out in a simulation space? I would tell you that that was incredibly important for us is to go to a space where you could simulate these emergencies, where you could prove that out before you're testing it on a real human being. I mean, there's just so many factions here and, and factors because you got the, the patient, you've got the hospital, you've got the, the, the family. I mean, if there are heirs, there's all kinds of potential liability involved for yeah. the, the parties. Um, it's just, it's a lot of uh, balls in the air, if you will. Yeah. So I mean, having a, having some sort of technology help you with that seems to be, I mean, the idea just seems to be something that somebody should have thought of 20 years ago, Jeff, when you were in med school. Um, but it, it's amazing that you get, that it's now kind of coming to be, um, in, in such an accurate way. And, uh, I don't know. I, I just, this is a very a thick subject for a lot of people, but the entrepreneurship uh, lessons always the same, right? So you're, you, you, what, what takeaways do you have? I mean, a part of your entrepreneurial journey, um, what, what's some, some of the lessons you learned uh, throughout the building of this business? Well, first of all, it's not easy. And you have to be ready to be told no 99 times out of 100 and for that not to bother you. And I can tell you it bothers every entrepreneur, but you got to have very, very thick skin. So 
when you're trying to be innovative in the healthcare industry, I would tell you it's also an industry where people don't take that many risks. I mean, you're dealing with human lives here. So you have to show doctors and nurses that what you're doing works and that you're willing to lean in and maybe offer them 90 to, to 120 days of a free pilot opportunity to say, hey, um, try this out, make sure it works, give us some feedback. And I, I would say also being open-minded to suggestions on how your technology is supposed to work. There's been multiple zigs and zags here on, on the product. So you have to be very, very open to critique. And when you're a healthcare provider, you want to do what's right. So we have those small groups of kind of subject matter experts that have used our technology that are willing to lean in and say, hey, Here's what it needs to do to get adopted in the real environment. Mm -hmm. Jeff Dunn is our guest today, founder and CEO of Renovus Health. He's also a doctor. Uh, we're going to be right back after the break. I want to talk more about kind of what what the what Renovus Health does and what you've started to do during COVID nineteen to respond. Uh, you're listening to the Grill Nation Show here at nine eighty a.m. and on iTunes Media Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Baby, lay on back and relax. Kick your pretty feet up on my dash. No need to go nowhere fast. Let's enjoy right here where we at. Who knows where this road is supposed to lead? Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I'm Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today on 980 AM or on iTunes via podcast or on our website, grillnationshow.com. We're joined again today by Jeff Dunn. He is the founder and CEO of Redivis Health. He's also a doctor here in Kansas City. Uh, fascinating company. Their website is redivis.com. That's R-E-D-I-B-U-S.com. Um, Jeff, welcome back. I want to talk to you about when you're talking to a hospital, I know you guys have, have some uh, pretty large hospitals you work with. Uh, first off, why don't you mention a few of those? And uh, what, what do you tell that hospital? How do you explain what you're doing? I mean, what makes them want to buy in? I know you mentioned you might have to give them a trial for a while as, an, as, a, as a company, but, but what, what's really kind of your pitch to them? Um, I think that's important for people to understand and for entrepreneurs to understand kind of how you, how you kind of simplify what you're doing. Yeah, so a um, couple of customers, uh, Hayes, which is part of the University of Kansas Health System, was one of our very, very early customers in 2017 for our cardiac arrest solution. And what we did is the selling opportunity for them was they came in town, they brought their Code Blue team, which is a team of ICU nurses, and we had them do cardiac arrest simulations where they try it out before and after. And we, and we actually had a point system where we gave them grades on how well they did. Hmm. They noted that they improved significantly with the number of correct decisions that they made with our solution. So they went back um, to the powers of B and said, hey, we, I think we need this. We can't, um, we can't afford to make mistakes during cardiac arrest. And they really kind of took us under their wing and, and really used our, our product as, a, as almost a beta. Um, and we've improved that product to the point where it has EMR integration. Uh, we've put a lot of bells and whistles in there, things that they wanted. So 
that's a that's a um, kind of a, a one of our early customers and how that went. Um, St. Luke's is another a customer, and they're using our sepsis tool in their transfer nurse system, um, and they're using that to identify more sepsis patients. Sepsis uh, affects millions of people in the United States a year, kills about 260,000 a year. Um, so their big thing was, hey, we need to make sure that these patients are being identified before they get sent so we can uh, do what we need for them before they get sent in the ambulance or airlifted. So those are two of the kind of the local opportunities um, of how we went to them and solved the problem for them. These diagnoses that we're tackling are very, very time critical. So um, there's a lot of interest um, from a cardiac arrest and a sepsis and a stroke perspective. I know you guys also have, have worked on the eastern side of the state too, right? Within St. Louis area? Yeah. No, we've had uh, some, some great opportunity to work with Mercy Health in, uh, in St. Louis. Continued, uh, we did a pilot for them. Um, they actually, uh, being the lawyer yourself, they compared um, the documentation part of these events um, with and without using our application. We showed a two to three times more accurate document than what they were currently using. So from a risk mitigation perspective, those things are very, very important that not only did you do the right thing, but can you tell people and show people that you did the right thing as well? Hmm. That's very interesting. Uh, there's so many different perspectives. Um, okay, so you, you built this business and, and you grew it, um, obviously. Uh, how many how many members are on the team currently? We have a small team. We're still an early stage company, Jason. We have seven uh, folks that are currently on the team. We have five part-time individuals that work in a consulting or a contracting role with us. Mm -hmm. um, I think the big things for us that are on the horizon is how do we land more large customers and how do we um, find strategic channels to sell into? And we're in some discussions right now on how we would do that, strategic partnerships. Because as you know, being a small team, you can't have a seven to 10 uh, person sales staff. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. So from an early stage company perspective, can we use our solution to improve value for a very large um, healthcare, um, either a hospital system or a technology company, and then sell into that channel. And that's what we're looking to do. Mm -hmm. Jeff Dunn is with us. Jeff, COVID-19 kind of uh, struck here uh, in the last few months, obviously, this year uh, in the United States. And that kind of obviously put things on their, uh, turned things on their heads uh, in the healthcare space. How, how did that, how did that affect you guys? How, how did you respond when, COVID-19 pandemic and crisis started here? Well, from a company perspective, I think the assumption for people in the United States is these hospitals are doing really well um, because there's a lot of people sick. That's the exact opposite of what's happening in hospitals and healthcare systems. If you can imagine um, no outpatient visits or very few outpatient visits, very few elective surgeries, Everyone was scared to death to go to the ER. Hospitals and healthcare systems are hurting. And I think there's going to be a lot of bankruptcies because of that. So um, a lot of the sales conversations we're having came to a screeching halt. But I can tell you what we did as a company is we said, 
we're healthcare providers. What can we do to help support providers during this times of crisis? So we offered our uh, cardiac arrest solution. We were hearing from some of our customers that those were going up two to three times with COVID. So we're offering it for free. We also, one of our EMR integration partners was offering it for free too, um, to help in the fight. I think it's important that we are providers first and we are empathetic towards what's going on right now. I can also tell you from a physician perspective, back in March, um, I said, I'm gonna try to help out and do what I can to help my colleagues. So I activated both my Missouri and Kansas license and um, have signed a couple. Did, did, that, did that take a while or how did that work? I know those, those things could be hard to activate and, and deactivate from time to time, right? I can tell you it was pretty phenomenal how fast that happened. The thing that um, was very bureaucratic um, is getting hospital privileging um, and licensing from the hospitals. So I've signed a couple contracts, one with a local hospital and one with a telehealth company. I still haven't become fully activated, but I have a computer right here to do telehealth in the very near future. That's great. So you decided to go back to clinical work while running the uh, your, your, your company as well. Yeah, and, and um, want to help out any, any way I can. And I know that uh, as you guys heard, the, um, in the New York area, New Jersey area, they were very overwhelmed asking for not only nurse help, but doctor help. So I wanted to throw my hat in the ring and, and do whatever I could uh, to help out the crisis. Uh, you mentioned uh, potentially having some free versions of, of, of what you're doing at Redivis, uh with the Code Blue app. Talk to us about that because I know that's important at this time, as you mentioned, because people are strapped for cash and uh, a lot of hospitals, like you said, don't aren't having the intake. What what does that involve? How do they get? How does that work? Uh, when does that expire? What what are you planning to do to 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 help? during the pandemic with cardiac arrest and uh, the respiratory arrest modules that you built? Yeah, so those are for free until the end of June. We may extend that. Um, we also have individuals being able to go download our app from the App Store, um, the iOS or Android. We've, sat, we've had several hundred downloads of that Code Blue application, not only in the United States, but in the UK, Canada, Australia. So very interesting that they're having uh, these cardiac arrests everywhere and they see the value and the opportunity. So um, we'd love to also um, partner with any local hospitals, healthcare systems, or technology companies in spinning up a COVID um, a module. We think it's incredibly important that while things are changing clinically, you have an easy to use clinical navigator and documenter for these events. So we're looking to do that right now. We're actually applying for some grants to be able to spin up a COVID module as well. Interesting. Um, what, what are your thoughts in general about everything with, with uh, how this has all happened? I mean, it seems to me we're, we're taping the show kind of in May of 2020, um, you know, places are opening up again. Right. And yeah. so, I mean, it seems to me this is not going to just be a, a one battle. It's going to be a war that it's going to continue to be an issue the rest of this year, at least, uh, at different points. My nickname is Dr. Gloom and Doom, uh, <laughs> my wife and friends. 
but it, you know, ultimately I'm a scientist, right? Um, right. Entrepreneur second. And, um, you know, what was happening in Italy back in March uh, scared the bejesus out of me, to be perfectly honest. Right. Um, I think there's this balance of shutting things down and opening them up. And I think that um, as testing becomes more prevalent, we will know when we have these kind of mini outbreaks that are happening, which is critically important. But I think that there's going to be a lot of stops and starts in 2020 of this thing rearing its head again, which nobody wants to hear that. But, um, you know, looking at the data, that's that's what everything suggests. Mm -hmm. Jeff Dunn is our guest today on the Grill Nation show. He's the founder and CEO of Redivis Health. Uh, Redivis is R-E-D-I-V-U-S dot com. Uh, great website with more of the information. You can request a demo on there and they have an FAQ section uh, about the company. When we come back after the break, I want to get into kind of how you think uh, medicine will change post COVID-19. What, what does innovation look like? Uh, what are your opportunities? Uh, and potentially get into some more entrepreneurial advice and also talk to you about uh, just some of the things you've learned throughout your journey. You're listening to The Grill Nation Show here on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. I'm not alone, so don't forget it. It's just a silly face I'm going through. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. Final segment of today. I'm Jason Grill. You're listening to 980 AM or you're listening via iTunes on podcast. Again, my guest today is Jeff Dunn, who is the founder and CEO of Redivis Health. Their website is Redivis, R-E-D-I-V-U-S.com. Uh, he's also a doctor here that launched back into practicing when the COVID-19 pandemic started. Um, let's take our crystal ball out here, Jeff. Uh, wh what do you think and how do you think medicine will be changed uh, by the COVID-19 pandemic moving forward? Yeah, I think the first thing is telehealth. So um, telehealth has been gradually being more accepted over the past five to 10 years. And now that you have this pandemic, the opportunity to be able to port in and help those that are kind of getting a surge like in New York and New Jersey is incredibly important. So I think telehealth is here to stay. As you've seen, the CMS, um, which manages Medicare and Medicaid, have also said, hey, we're okay with doctors from Kansas and Missouri being able to help out in New York. So kind of breaking down those barriers of providers being able to practice not only um, through, the, through a telehealth medium, but getting rid of a little bit of that red tape um, during the pandemic. And I think those things may be here to stay after the pandemic. Yeah, that's interesting because over the years, I've seen a lot of startups, not a lot, but a handful of startups locally and, and nationally kind of try to really kind of get into that telehealth mobile app, kind of like see your doctor from your phone type type world. And, yeah. you know, I haven't seen many, at least locally, that have, have just survived or really thrived. So that's a good point you made because it seems now that I, maybe the industry will be more okay with it. Yeah, I think so. And it, it, 
you know, being an entrepreneur, it's all about timing. Right. And, uh, I think the time is right for things like telehealth technology. I'm hearing a lot about, um, AI chatbots. So going there and asking a patient, Hey, what type of symptoms have you had? And, and being able to automate that Q and a response to take that off the provider's plate. Those are very, very popular right now too. And then, well, it um, seems like it would, it makes more sense for the next generation, you know, yeah. I'm 40 years old and I'm kind of on that Gen X. I'm a Gen Xer, but I, I understand technology and I, I feel like if I can email my doctor through a secure <laughs> network and I have to go see him and he can prescribe something, it's a lot easier than going to the doctor and dealing with all the paperwork and whatnot. I mean, it just seems to me that the future generation is going to kind of demand these technologies. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I would say that the experience is already there in retail and being able to, to uh, buy something online very easily with Amazon, et cetera. So I think transparency in the marketplace is going to be, become more known. Like I need to get a hard echocardiogram. What's that price? And I can shop for that. Not necessarily because of COVID, but I think that's coming down the pike here very, very quickly. So that's a potential opportunity. What are the other opportunities do you think for for your business or for healthcare in general? Well, I, when you look at healthcare in the hospitals, um, the electronic medical record is the ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. And the previous 10 years, I think the electronic medical record was trying to be everything to everybody, but now they have somewhat um, come to the table and said, hey, we want to be a marketplace. We want to be an enabler for innovation. And that's really where we fit in because we plug into that um, information superhighway and really extend the opportunity of that electronic medical uh, record to work during emergencies. So I think you're going to see over the next five to 10 years, this um, idea of a healthcare marketplace enabled by um, electronic medical, medical record companies. Interesting stuff. We're talking to Jeff Dunn. He's a doctor and founder and CEO of Redivis Health here locally in Kansas City, but they, they do work throughout the, the state and, and, and will continue to grow. We've been in the COVID-19 pandemic now for, for two months, essentially, under the state home. Uh, Jeff, I'm curious of, of to learn kind of something that maybe you've learned about yourself during the COVID-19 uh, process that maybe you didn't know before. <laughs> is, there anything, is there anything that you, uh, that you, I asked this to all of my guests during this, 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 this uh, pandemic, because, you know, there's always a silver lining in, 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 in crisis and in, in kind of how you come out of it. So I was curious, uh, as a CEO, as a founder, as a doctor, a guy that wears a lot of hats, what, what are those things that you might learn about yourself or what, what has been your silver lining? Well, there's a couple things. I think, um, you know, when you dig deep and you have a pandemic and a crisis, you want to know how you're going to react to that. And um, I very much wanted to be part of the crisis and help that out. And I think that that's um, something that healthcare providers, they, you have colleagues, not only locally, but you have them nationally. When you see stuff happening on the TV, it's, it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood. So that very much is a fraternity and sorority of healthcare colleagues. That's, um, that's a silver lining, I would say, with um, the provider base in the United States, which is um, 
it, it goes to show you when the bell rings that a lot of folks are going to lean into an opportunity to help out. I would say um, I've never had a um, wine tasting virtually, um, but now I have with COVID. So the opportunity to do things in a virtual setting, it's really been fun on how, to, how do you interact with uh, your friends? Um, how do you have fun while you're locked in your home all day and all night? So those have been some of the silver linings for me. Right. We're, we're forced to adapt, aren't we? <laughs> Yeah. Um, Jeff, you've been in Kansas City most of your life. Uh, what What are you excited about? I mean, what have you seen change? I mean, obviously, the entrepreneurial ecosystem has grown greatly. Uh, there's potential avenues for more funding. There's there's more successful businesses launching um, and growing. What What have you seen? I know that you uh, you've you've been in different parts of town and you you you've worked and you've grown. And, and what do you think Kansas City's future looks like? What are you excited about? Yeah, like like we were discussing before, going to downtown Kansas City back in 2005, you could hear a pin drop. Mm -hmm. And um, really what's happened with the, um, the Sprint Center, the Power and Light District, kind of this explosion of development and people walking the streets in downtown Kansas City is something exciting. And I'm... Uh, I'm willing to take somebody that's out of town down to Kansas City now. I'm not embarrassed for it. So I think that's going to continue the next 10 to 20 years. And um, it, it's great. And, and it's great to call Kansas City my home because of it. Best entrepreneurial advice you have for uh, somebody that's maybe in the medical, legal, nine to five world, what, what not. What, what, what's your advice for them as they look to potentially starting their own company? Don't do it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I think the first thing is you have to be incredibly humble and listen to feedback. I think it's, uh, it's important. You're going to be told no a lot. And what I tell people is you have to be a cockroach. You have to live through really difficult times where you need to raise money. You need, might need to zig and zag and pivot a little bit. You really have to be a problem solver. So if you don't have a kind of that stomach that can go up and down um, with a roller coaster, kind of those effects of the highs and lows, it's really tough. And I can tell you, if you have a, a loved one and a family, trying to be balanced during your entrepreneurial journey is somewhat difficult at times, but uh, you just got to keep going. Great advice. Great advice. Great show today with Jeff Dunn, CEO and founder of Bredivis Health. They're online at uh, Redivus, R-E-D-I-V-U-S dot com. Jeff, thanks for your time today and uh, congrats on all your success. Enjoyed talking to you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll see you again next week here on The Grill Nation Show. Have a good one. Take care. <laughs>